Welcome to the Salty Music Teacher with Maddie Saltibus. Hello and welcome to the Salty Music Teacher. My name is Maddie Saltibus, and I have here Eric Cavazos. This is part two of Searching for Music for the UIL competition or mm-hmm. evaluation. evaluation. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're catching on. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting that. So uh, last episode, we talked about really, uh, I mean, we talked about a lot of things, honestly. Mm-hmm. Right. We talked about when we choose music, right. uh, you know, back in the summer, as early as the summer, if anything. Mm-hmm. And we talked about what we're looking for, in a sense. And then we talked about end results. You know, right. what, what, are, what are we looking to do? As the end result, you kind of you kind of got to start there, don't you? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, choosing music that you know that the students will be able to um, master as much as possible by the end of this process, um, knowing their audience. How I said uh, several times, you know, knowing the audience of judges and what oh, we're looking man. for, and honestly, um, you if, never know them. You never know them. But I mean, each one wants something different, right? And the the funny thing is, there is a rubric. You there know, is that, a rubric that is yeah. available to the public. It's online. Um, I do print out the rubric and I give it to my students. And sometimes, if I feel like, you know, they're kind of getting into, they're starting to plateau, you know, I'll say we'll rehearse. I once again, I'm on a 90 minute class in a block schedule. We'll rehearse. Which I hate, by the way. Uh, I don't I like that. Either. <laughs> <laughs> but it does give us to do uh, time to do things like this. So, you know, I rehearse them, we go through our music, and then I give them a rubric and say, if you were a judge, where would it be? And, you know, mm, yeah. it's so interesting because I feel like the students are like more, uh, they have higher standards than I do. <laughs> They're oh, like, yeah. oh, this they was bad. This so was bad. Critical. <laughs> they are very and, critical. And I'll say, guys, relax. You know? know, I'm like, <laughs> Well, you know, and I, I try to tell them, okay, here's the thing. If you study the rubric, um, the UIL is making, I mean, there's no such thing as a perfect performance, right? And the no, rubric no was... how hard you try. Oh, no. There's always someone. We strive to yeah. have a perfect performance, but truly, even with professionals, there's no such thing as a, performing that, a performance that is 100% perfect. And when you study the rubric, it, it allows things to happen while still maintaining in this or while still being a superior rating or a one. Um, And so I tell students that like, Hey, you know what? UIL understands that y'all are kids, y'all are young people. And even with professionals, things aren't perfect, but, but but do the judges understand? Well, (laughs) that's a different thing, you know, because sometimes I feel like (laughs) judges, you know, are out to show how much they know. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I've had, I've had judges write some things They'll write a whole bunch and then give you a one, you know, right. which is the best rating. And then I've had judges write very little mm-hmm. and give you a two or a three. And, it, right. and it's like, where did you get this? Right. You know, like, right. give me more criticism. If it's you're true. Give me those lower ratings. But being familiar with the rubric, at least because I think it's it's trying to make things less subjective. Yeah. Because music is a very subjective subject, right? And it is a touchy subject. It is. Yeah. And so I think the rubric is trying really hard to make things less subjective so we can at least try to anticipate how judges will perceive what we're going to perform. And it gives us a basis as to which we can evaluate our own students while we're preparing them. However, 
um, I mean, I do think that that comes into play when you're choosing the music, right? Sure. Because, you know, kind of going back to thinking about the end goal, that's what we're like, what is our end goal? Well, our end goal is if we're striving for ones or superior ratings, then we need to know that our students are going to be able to perform at that level that that can get a superior. And um, I, I think about that a lot as I'm choosing music. Um, I, in part one, I talked about a piece that kind of easily goes into their curriculum in development at that certain point of the year. I also want to showcase how they can play slower music. So I usually oh, yeah. choose a, a contrasting piece. Now that's not a requirement. It's um, not, but mm-hmm. it's a, it's a rule of mine too. Oh, I, yeah. I specifically say just like a, um, a concerto, I have a fast, a slow, and then another fast or even faster or exciting piece right, at the right. end. And so, uh, let's talk about some of the things that we do as far as, uh, music selection. So that's one of my, my big goals. I need a fast piece mm-hmm. or a normal piece as far as a moderate speed. And then I need a slower piece so I can help with all the different types of ways students can play. And of course that fun fast piece that even the kids enjoy. Right. And so that is like one of the big requirements. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, I need to find pieces that I'm able to teach my students that they have a lot to learn still. Right. Not too much. Right. But things that maybe they just need to develop a little bit better. Yes. So for instance, on that slow piece, maybe I hadn't taught, you know, vibrato as much. This is a great time to use that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe on the fast piece, there's a specific spot that requires them to play uh, staccato in a way that sounds more spiccato, you know? Right. And so depending on, because of the speed. So you need to be able to work with that. And that, and some of these technical aspects take weeks within themselves. Yes. So don't overestimate uh, the power of uh, teaching something simple because right. you're going to need them to have that tool, especially when you're looking for a great piece. Right. And those are all things that we consider before we even purchase music. Yeah, oh, you yes, know, we course. have a wonderful resource now, GW Pepper, and oh, yeah. most mm-hmm. of the publishers' websites have, you know, PDFs or perusal scores that we can look at. And most of them also have MP3s or streaming the audio for that, which is wonderful. I remember when I was an undergrad and I had to do musical analysis, I had to go to JW or RBC at the time. That's right. And you I have had to go to sit, sit in the store, yes. sit in the store. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you have to really have good musical skills to sit oh, yeah. and actually read scores. Right. Now. Nowadays, I mean, the younger teachers have it made if you think about it. I mean, we're <laughs> yeah. still young, but the, the even younger teachers oh, yeah. have it made. You can go online like JW Pepper and... I mean, you can listen till your heart's content Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. and just say, I like this piece. Now, don't get fooled, which is another part of what I was going to mention. When you're picking music, you're picking music because you enjoy it. And you're going to say, man, my kids will enjoy it because I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I'd say about 80% of that is true. Right. But what they won't enjoy is if they don't play that correctly. Yep. Everybody falls. Yes. And that little yes. 20% or however percentage you want to put on the strength of that, it's going to really ruin the the whole idea of really making it to the end, which is where, what we're going to talk about next, which is how do we how do we choose a piece that's going to not peak too early mm-hmm. and not have to change the piece, like I mentioned in the last, uh, in the part one, uh, last minute? Yeah, I think, honestly... 
it comes from knowing your students truly. Yeah, you gotta know them. You, you know what they're good at, and you know what they need to develop or refine. Um, for me, at least, I choose one piece that they could probably at sight reading. Like when I first hand it out to them, they should be able to get. They should it. be able to get through it without yeah. stopping, and that is usually my opening piece. And if I something kn- easy, some, something yeah. they can manage, well, something they can read easily, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and. Um, then the work that we would do on it is just refining and making it a, you know, bringing out what the composer envisioned when he was writing it or he or she or they were writing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and because of that, I usually will give that to them the last, that's the last piece I'll give to them and it'll happen maybe halfway through this process. So for the longest time, we're working on two pieces and the student's like, don't we need three? (laughs) Like, don't worry. I I mean, I know exactly what I'm doing, y'all. Yeah. But that's the thing. I even wait to the very almost last moment to give them that third piece, Mm -hmm. which to me, I give obviously my harder pieces up front. Right. uh, So we have time to think about it and map it out uh, as far as time-wise. And that last piece, it's just a piece that I know they can knock out of the park. Yep. I'm teaching the basic skills they're going to do successful i know that mm-hmm. and i'm not worried about it so you're really teaching two pieces right throughout but in refining a third piece right exactly and um for that for the first piece i give which is usually the one that i'm definitely being like okay i need to teach them a lot of these things for them to be able to play this well um that's like i might hand it out before they go off to winter break which most kids will leave it on their stands but the, <laughs> they're not looking at that they thing. are not looking and at they'll anywhere. lie too they'll oh, say yeah. oh mr cavazos i brought my instrument home you mean this one the, <laughs> the one that's that in my the one that's in my office right now <laughs> right or you know it's like dreadfully out of tune <laughs> oh my goodness. um you know i'll hand it out to them and then they'll come back from winter break and say i don't know where mine went i'm like it's on the stand still oh you my know? Um, and we'll start we'll start that and just kind of chipping away from the beginning um and then for the for the contrasting piece um i usually go more into like how it's for for my students especially this year with our piece um the piece i chose was snow falling in autumn by chris pilsner which is beautiful work by the way it's new to the Mm -hmm. pml grade four and it's slow do you purposefully pick new music you know, so so people don't know it. Like well, the judges you know, are like, I, I don't I don't know this piece, you know. <laughs> that's something to be said because normally I think this is one of the first years that I've been teaching high school that I chose a piece that was new to the PML. Mm-hmm. Um and most of our judges were retired. So yeah. it was very likely that our they performance really was the it. first time yeah. they heard this piece, which is a gorgeous work. But after the experience and uh, of performing this for them and getting the comments that we did, which were fantastic, like yeah. bravo. Mm-hmm beautiful work, things like that. I thought, hmm, maybe I should dive maybe, into new yeah. music more. <laughs> you know, and I also I also pick pieces that are out of print. Oh, oh my goodness. You pick a good piece that's been forgotten for mm-hmm. many years, mm-hmm. haven't heard of it in many ages, and it's just out of print. It's a great piece. Right. It's probably great for your kids. Yeah. You just got to think outside the box. I spend a lot of time in the search department of mm-hmm. the music. Like right. I, I don't think I don't think I walk away, you know, ten weeks or two, three months before saying, I got the perfect right. you know, we talked about that. You're gonna end up changing it again, you know, if if anything, right before you hand it out to the kids. <laughs> right. And or after they first read it. Yeah. <laughs> after they first read it, it's, it's like, like, no, oh, g- give it back mind. to me. Yeah. Give it back to me. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, 
you know, and I like that you said that you spend all that time looking and searching because we are fortunate that we're, we live in the digital age where we have this resource of being able to see music and listen to it before we even purchase it. Um, but you know, I have, I have built relationships with younger teachers. I've had student teachers sure. uh, who, when they go off, like, how do I find this music? Or they ask me for rep selections. Like, how do you know all this music? It's like, I put in those hours. Yeah. And there's a lot of listening, a lot of research. Yes. And you, you know, it's interesting is uh, when you've played something with the students before, which is why I really advocate for, uh, which is my third thing I was going to mention, which is playing don't be afraid to play UIO music at your normal concerts. Mm-hmm. Play music, play UIO music at Halloween concerts. Right. You're maybe a beginning first year concert or your November, December concert. Play it at the end of the year. I play, I, we just had a, last year we had in May our Bach concert. Oh, okay. We read every single Brandenburg concerto, all six of them, which is mm. insane. First of all, <laughs> of course, we were reading the arranged versions, right. but the, the, the sixth one, you can't, you can't, that's a two viola concerto. There's no arrangement. You <laughs> got to know it. Right. <laughs> but we, 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 we pulled that off mm-hmm. somehow, but you could easily come back and say, Hey guys, we, I, I need a good piece. Let's read the Brandenburg. We did it last year. They'll be super excited to yeah. see, see that again. They had a good time, you know, and so it's it's okay to recycle those pieces, I always say, but it's also okay to experiment with them uh, during those concerts throughout the year. Right. So that way you can get a feel for, are they capable of reading music like this? Right. Are you, and it's not just them. I always, we talked about it in our first episode, which is, putting it back on the students, but honestly, it's the teacher too. Are you capable mm-hmm. of instructing them with the uh, information that will make them successful? Right. Not all, you know, uh, teaching methods fit all students. Mm-hmm. Let's be clear. Uh, however, you're going to have to reach into the toolbox to learn how to teach, you know, little Timmy in the back of the orchestra, right. how to read. You don't want to leave him behind. That's true. And so you want him to be able to have a good time too. And you want him to be able to feel successful with the music you select. So the selection process is extremely important. Let's talk about a little bit. We talked about the digital part of it. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that these judges for UIL, uh, they require us to have three scores. Yes. Right. Because yes. Three. Oh, they want gosh. an original score. And you always seem to forget that, that step. When oh you're in pre- my goodness. Pre- and it must be numbered. Oh yeah. yeah it must be numbered. Yeah. For By those who way, don't know, you have to have numbered scores. Also, if there's someone who works in publishing that's listening to this, can you please just make, just make every numbered? <laughs> <laughs> Which you see more often in like more pedagogical works, right? Yeah. Like the grade ones and twos. Well, but you're seeing that more and more actually. You are. You uh, are. Which, and, I, and which is thank, I'm a I'm fan thankful. of. <laughs> but yeah. I'll have a student with hopefully good handwriting sit there. Oh, I do it myself. It, it, oh no. I, I I'm like, can you do you mind? Well, okay, so this is a side note. Mm-hmm. You'll ask a student to do, measure numbers, and you'll think, hey, look, this is not going to be a problem. They can handle it. Right. They're, they're a junior in high school. You know, They mm-hmm. should be able to do this. Right. And then they, they make the ultimate mistake, which is putting measure number one as the pickup oh, note or pickup notes. And I see. I have to go yell. That's well, it. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, see, this is why I do it myself because I obsess over small details like that. Like, um, even on, on the bus ride to UIL 
for the whole thing, I'm like looking at the scores, making sure they're numbered. I look at my form oh one. Gosh. You know, 10... at that point, if I'm on the bus there, I'm it oh, is what it is. No, I mean, I get so like, oh my gosh, what if we show up and we're disqualified because I didn't do this? And so oh I, I'm, you know, the kids pr- thankfully aren't paying attention to what I'm doing sitting at the yeah. front of the bus. You're freaking out. But I'm freaking out. I'm like, <laughs> I check it. I have everything in the manila envelope. Yeah. And I look through it, put it back in my, in my, uh, bag yeah and then you know two minutes go by and i pull it out again <laughs> just to try to look again you're, <laughs> i'm looking again you're i'll paranoid. check i am paranoid let me tell you why you're paranoid because this actually happened to me this year oh this is like last week okay dude. tell me so i <laughs> so we get there i'm taking my youngest group mm-hmm. i i think i got everything prepared kind of like yourself i think i'm ready to go mm-hmm. they're looking good on stage they're literally on stage i just finished tuning them mm-hmm. we're about to start and a judge walks up, says, hey, uh, we're missing a score. Uh... <laughs> and I said, wait, what are you talking about? And he goes, no, we're missing a score. If you give us those scores, we'll be ready to go. And I said, uh... okay, well, it must have dropped, you know, in my in my bag, you know. Yeah. So I'm looking everywhere, can't find it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. I go to the the host uh, who's there and I say, hey, I, we need we need scores. Do you have it in your library? Luckily, she had it in her life. Mm, and she had scores. She had three of them. Oh, thank God. Oh, my goodness. What do you do? Oh, you were do very you blessed that day. Oh, my goodness. And if, let me tell you, if I didn't have those scores, we would have gotten disqualified. Yeah. They would have let this, the kids still play. That It's not right to just say, oh, sorry, guys, go home. You know? Right. So they would have let them play, but they would have ultimately disqualified me because of the rules. Now, right. uh, the, the second part of that is I only get, well... And I need to double check to see if this is a rule, but I've heard you only get 25 minutes on stage, mm. like 30 minutes or something I'm like that. I'm not familiar with that. But so I, I, that I think you only right. get a certain amount of, oh, I mean, you don't want to hold up everyone else right. that's right after you. Right. So yeah, you have to make sure that the time limit that you're given, mm-hmm. you use that wisely. And so, I mean, if I would have taken too long to get those scores or didn't have the scores, whatever it was, I, you know, I would have gotten in, in other types of trouble. Did you tell the students? Oh, yeah. They oh. were like, what was wrong? What took so long? And it's their first UIL, the babies and whatnot. So yeah. they, they didn't know anything going on. So they were just like, whatever's happening is happening. Right. But I told them later on for sure. And they were like, oh, my God, that actually happened. So, mm. But they did fantastic, which is, which is what you want. You want right. your kids to feel relaxed and to be able to just produce great music. Right. Um, going back into uh, into specifics, when you first open up a score, mm-hmm. you're looking to see if this is a potential for your students. Sure. What are some things that you see that uh, that, that are either red flags or things that are like green flags all the way? Well, besides I, half notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I check the um, like basic things like key signature and things like that um i mo- honestly with my cello section i look at the cello line that's oh, like yeah. mine immediately goes there because they're talented and opinionated so if they don't feel like i'm challenging them yeah. or they don't they're not playing as much as they want to then they will completely judge the piece and it'll make it not enjoyable so first thing mine goes there and and then i listen to it a lot before deciding I love looking at a piece that has the melodic line pass through all the sections. Yes. I think that really does help me as an instructor help our audience, help our students help the audience 
listen to music yes. because then I can say, Hey, look, it's their turn. Now you got to be quiet, you mm-hmm. know? And again, this goes back to the teaching experience. You got to find music that not only you need the kids to learn, but you need the, you need to have an opportunity to, to teach them. Right. And so uh, not having uh, the main part as a viola player at UIL, that's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. That's kind of sad. <laughs> it is right. I mean, right. they get overlooked and all a lot of music. So I will look for a piece that will have, you know, maybe this last program I had uh, first violin and violas were together and it mm-hmm. was, you know, they were both uh, quarreling, you know, musically. And it was just a great experience for them because it's like, oh, can you see them over there? Can you hear them? Well, second violins are too loud. You can't hear them, you know, right. and being able to have that conversation musically was just an experience. So you need to be able to find music that kind of works for your students, but also allows you, like I said, again, to be able to teach these kids how to listen to music, how how to produce music for their audience to listen to. I always say, uh, your audience doesn't know anything. They don't have the music in their hand, unless they're judges. (laughs) (laughs) They don't have the music in their hands. What are we showing them? Yeah. What are they listening to? Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's the melody, but if they can't hear the melody and they hear dong, dong in the <laughs> bass section, right? Um, do you want me to listen to you? You know, right? So uh, I always have that level uh, uh, to my teaching so they understand exactly what's important in, at, at certain times. So you got to look for melodic themes moving around the sections. That's going to be the go-getter for me. Oh yeah. I got to do that. Dynamics. Mm -hmm. I always look for dynamics that uh, aren't too complicated. You know, Mm. sometimes you have, especially for a younger group, I'm talking specifically for younger groups because uh, when, when I'm searching for music, you just need it to be very simple. Forte, piano, forte, piano. Right. And you can do a lot of teaching within just that, Mm -hmm. you know, so it doesn't have to be complicated. Lastly, I need it to, you know, it's funny. I mentioned this to someone earlier. I need it to not have plucking as much. You know, plucking oh, is the notorious yeah. thing. If you, right? I mean, yeah, every now and then I'll pick wrong. a piece that has a little bit of plucking, but you pick a piece that has too much plucking in it and it's like, whoa, I got to stop right there. You right. know, that a lot can go wrong. Heart rate, your heartbeat races yes. on stage. I yes. mean, if it happens to me, Imagine what it happens to right. a 14-year-old kid, you know, who who was who who was barely looking like he got it together, you know, on stage. Right. So I was talking to as part of my graduate degree, I was doing research and part of that was an interview with a teacher who's been teaching for a long time. She could probably re- she's probably been eligible to retire for a while and so very very experienced and very smart woman. But we were talking about UIL and how she chose music and she said, "Eric, I will never program Dragon Hunter by Richard Meyer ever again. She said, I got <laughs> a two Dragon one Hunter. year. I got a two one year and it was with Dragon, Hunter, Dragon Hunter. And it was the pizzicato part because the kids rushed so much. Mm-hmm. And it, it became so uncharacteristic. Excited. They're excited. They're excited. It's a fun piece. You know, oh, everyone should know Dragon Hunter. But yeah, plucking is is scary. I do program it with yeah. my more advanced ensembles for sure. The uh, oh, they'll knock it out of the park now. Oh, probably. yeah, I mean, you know, we'll talk about they got all the basic tools. Oh, at that point, we're, at that point, we're like, how much do you need to press on the string to get a good sound in pizzicato? <laughs> you know, we we can talk about stuff like yeah, that. You're like overdoing <laughs> it, like, oh my god, no, just a little more pressure, 
you're giving me 50% and I need 52%. Yeah, like <laughs> 2.4. So I, I really think that um, choosing music really has to do with the, the level. Right. Let's table this again one more week. I think we got a third part coming to this because there's so much that goes into choosing music, sure. especially for such a huge event like this. Oh, yes. So if you want to learn more about Eric and myself, Maddie Saltibus and Eric Cavazos, you can visit the saltymusicteacher.com or you can email the saltymusicteacher at gmail.com and you can ask questions or you can give suggestions about uh, future episodes. Thank you for visiting us today. We'll see you next week.